it. Thank you. I want to apologize to you. It's a little bit warm in here this morning. A couple of our, I know at least one of our units is not working, and uh, it's even warmer on the platform. So I'm going to be down here, if you don't mind. Your Bible's open to the Book of Revelation, chapter 18. But you need to hold your finger there. We're going to be all over the Bible this morning. You know, one of the most interesting statements. You know, you, you, you read Bible verses over and over, you become familiar with them, and then sometimes you sit back and, and just read them slowly, maybe just take the verse and read it. But here's one that shocks me. Go to Revelation chapter 18, and, and we're going to talk about um, Babylon, the fall of Babylon. Uh, but listen to what Jesus said. In of course, John 14, as we've dealt with John 14, it's one of the uh, rapture passages that we know of. But Jesus says, listen to what he says, you know, I, uh, let your hearts not be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house or many mansions, you know, John 14. Uh, verse 3, he says, I will come again. And this is ESV, right? He says, I will come, uh, John 14, 3, I will come again. And I think, I will come again and take you to myself. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Yeah. I will come again and take you to myself. Before we read out of uh, Revelation chapter 18, while you hold your finger there, go to Hebrews chapter 10. That's to the left, obviously. Hebrews chapter 10. Now, Walter and I were talking on Wednesday night, and I was talking to a pastor yesterday, and uh, it is amazing to me how, how obvious the signs of the times are here. Um, I, I, don't, I don't mean this as a joke, but I, I expect Christ to come back and rapture the church today. Um, just want you to think about this. As, as crazy as our world is, as the lunacy that's going on in our, our own country, right? It just Romans 1, I won't read it now, but you know, a reprobate mind is just everywhere. Just absolutely, uh, literally the Bible says they've lost their mind. What's amazing is the church is still here. Can you imagine when the church isn't here? How crazy and wicked and vile it's going to be. And that's part of the fall there in Revelation 18. But in Hebrews chapter 10, and I've used this verse many times, speaking of, because we are living in the, we would say in the last days, and no matter what our theology is about the rapture and the, and the tribulation, we're 2,000 years into the church age. So obviously... It's the latter parts of the church age. And uh, we're further along than we've ever been. But there's an interesting passage in, um, in Hebrews chapter 10 that, uh, that the Bible speaks to these days. Look what it says. I'm in, I'm in Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised 
is faithful. Amen? Amen? He who promised is faithful. That's what he says to the church at Laodicea, even though the church at Laodicea is not faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. My class is talking about church, kind of like church membership, and, and that can only be done when we're together. You know, if us are going to stir us up, then us needs to be together. And so the body has to gather many members but one body. And we ought to want to gather when God's people gather. But we should specifically want to gather on the Lord's day because it's commanded, right? Right? And so he says, For let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Just thought, I mean, think about how often you stir others up and and about serving the Lord Jesus and being faithful. Then he says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. As you... So don't neglect the assembling of yourselves together. And basically saying even more so, as you see the day drawing near. And that day would be the day of Christ, correct? But the rapture seven years before that. As you see the day approaching. In light of that, are you not a little surprised that the church isn't full? Honestly? It kind of shocks me that even though the COVID's still here, and because I see the day approaching, and it's, I see. Folks, there's a lot of people that don't see, do they? They may claim the name of Jesus. They may, they may go to church. They may attend somewhere. They may use religious terminology, but there's a lot of people that don't see. The crisis of our day. Now, since I've already gone there, let's go one other place. Go to Matthew's gospel. Let's listen to what Jesus says about how you see things. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And the Sermon on the Mount, there's a... We can pick up at verse 19, Matthew 6, 19. You'll be very familiar with this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Verse 22 is where I wanted to go. Talking about as you see the day drawing near. 
Again, let me ask you, do you see the day drawing near? Folks, if you see the day drawing near, it'll transform your life. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body and how we see things. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. I mean, and for us, I mean, I may make the application of doctrine, biblical truth. You know, if you see things the way Christ taught it, if you know, if you have a good foundation, okay, that's kind of what we're talking about. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if you don't understand the scriptures, if you're not, if you're not pursuing Christ's likeness, if you can't spiritually see like you should see, then your whole body will be full of darkness. And of course, now he's talking to me. To me, this is to us, to believers. If, if then the light in you, if the light that you think you have, the light that is, if the light that is in you is really darkness, how great is that darkness? If you think you're really in the light, but it's really darkness, how great is that darkness? It may surprise you or it may not surprise you that Jesus said the age that we're living in is that age that says they see, but they don't see. Now go to Revelation 3. Revelation 3. Now again, I'm not going to drive a stake in the sand and in the ground and say this is what you have to believe about the church age, the Revelation 2 and 3, but there is good argument that uh, this obviously the seven churches Jesus picked to send the message to. He sovereignly picked the seven churches. He picked those for a reason. And obviously because those seven churches will speak to every church of every age. And since these words have been spoken from Jesus to John and put in print, it's been, you know, almost 2,000 years. So, so this is Jesus. And so our church and every church is represented in these seven churches. But scholars do talk about, and there's a good argument, that, that, that each church represents part of the church age. Now, I don't have that written down. I don't have a chart to show you on the TV. But when scholars do that, when they lay out how every age is represented by the church and it's chronological, then if we're in, then if we're in the latter days and we think we are, right? I mean, I don't want to say how much worse can it get without Jesus rapturing the church. I don't want to say that because it could get a lot worse. But we believe that we're living, and this is, a lot of scholars would agree, we're convinced we're living in the day of Laodicea, which is the last church that Jesus spoke to, sent a message to. And uh, so I want to read, because they had a vision problem. They had lots of problems. But one of those was they could not see what they, what they should have seen. But anyway, I'm in Revelation 3. 
Beginning at verse 14. And I believe that's true. I believe what I just said. I really believe that. I believe this is the Laodicean age. And we could study the whole rest of the... I mean, I only have an hour left. I could spend the whole hour in, in Revelation 3. But there, there is a lot to see here. So, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write. Of course, angels, the word messenger, like the word good news, gospel is good messenger or good message. The word angelos is, can be messenger. So, and to the angel or the messenger, and some scholars say pastor, to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen. I think what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, where it says all the promises of God are yes and Amen. In who? In Christ. So he's identifying himself to the church at Laodicea. Think about that. He's identifying himself to the church. And to the angel of the church at Laodicea write, the words of the Amen... The faithful and true witness. Jesus, you know, said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The faithful and true witness. The beginning of God's creation. Uh, of course, that's, he's talking about being the creator. Uh, and that's spoken of several times in the book of Revelation. Matter of fact, the two witnesses preach about Christ being the angel that flies and preaches the gospel. Uh, worldwide gospel by an angel. He mentions that Christ is the creator who made it all. And because Christ is God, second person of the Trinity, but also Christ is the word, right? You with me? And then in Genesis it says, and God said, let there. So we deduce from that that the person of the Godhead that made it all is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's amazing, isn't it? And He came to redeem sinners. This is, so He's telling the church, telling us the words of the Amen and faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. By the way, this is the only church He has nothing good to say about. All the other churches, He scolds. All, there's several churches He does scold in addition to this church. He ends up having something positive. He doesn't have anything positive to say. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. You are neither cold nor hot. And just quickly, uh, it's near two cities, 10, 12, 8, 10 miles away from both. Hierapolis had hot springs. Colossae had cold springs. And they tried to bring those waters in with aqueducts. And by the time it got there, it was was not cold nor hot. Would you? I would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. 
by the way, Laodicea, real famous. Even today, there's uh, a lot of remains of the city. And it was extremely wealthy city. Not a huge city, but a very wealthy city. And historically, it had... Uh, it started like the organized banking system of that part of the world. Um, so it's a very prosperous city. A lot of money, a lot of wealth. That sound familiar to you? I am rich, I have prospered. And I, this is what you say. I, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by the fire, purity. You know, refined by the fire, the dross, is, I guess is what they call it. The hotter the fire, the purer the gold. I, Buy from me gold refined by fire, this, the purity of Christ-likeness, uh, righteousness, so that you may be rich in white garments, which is later on we're going to read the next, next Sunday in Revelation 19, we get garments that are white, which are, is, the right, is the righteousness that's imputed to us. We're able to wear, wear white robes at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So that you may rich in white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And salve is also known to produce this. Had a, a, a great medical uh, industry in Laodicea, and I'm not. You can read all that. I'm not making that up. It's why it's here in the text. And one of those things that they were most noted for was a salve that helped deal with eye issues. And of course, in the part of the world, uh, sand. And so it was a salve. And so Christ says that, and, and take salve and, and to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Are you in the church and you can't see? Folks, there's a lot of people that claim his name today and they don't see what I see, I don't think, and they don't see what many of you see, that we are living in the last days. Now, honestly, the last days may last another 500 years or, or 60 years, but it's closer now than it's ever been. Amen? But we think it's very close. And by the way... Um, when you read the book of Acts, and you, you've heard me say this numerous times, and the disciples, the apostles in the book of Acts, they believed he was coming in their lifetime. And, and that's why they lived. They were so unattached from the world. Because why, why buy into the world when my Lord's coming back to reign and rule? Why? Folks, that should be our spirit, even though it's been 2,000 years removed. And of course, the scoffers, we know what Peter says about that. He's delayed. In our mind, he's delayed. Of course, in his time, it's been a couple of days. He's delayed, and now we scoff and, and say, where's the promise of his coming? 
Everything just rolls on. But it doesn't. So we need to take this salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. And this is to the church. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, again, there's, there's so much about that. Christ. You know, you go back to Revelation 1 and John sees a revelation of Jesus. And when you see it, he's, Jesus is in the midst of, these, of this candelabra, almost like a menorah. But he's in the midst, and those, each of those candles represent what? The church. But he's in the midst of the church, right? Revelation 1, you can read it. But here, in Revelation 3, he's not in the midst of this church. Where is he? He's outside because he's knocking on the door. What a symbolism there to me. And I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, he, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and, and he with me. It's intimate fellowship. And the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down on my, on my father on his throne. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now go to Revelation chapter 18. I won't spend a lot of time reminding you of this, and we've got to move on, but Revelation 17 was the, was the, was the religious Babylon. And you have to remember now, the, the rapture takes place. I'll try to make this brief. The rapture takes place, the catching away, the harpazo, many times in the Bible. The harpazo takes place, and, and then in its place, the church is gone. There's this fake religion. There's a false prophet. Now, it doesn't say that every human being on the face of the earth joins this false religion. But this false religion rides the Antichrist and uses his popularity and kind of in some way partners with him. And this, there becomes this, this prostitute. It's, a, it's, it's, it's not truth. It's error. It's a lie. But it's, religion will move on. And so that's what Revelation 17 is about. is about that, that, fake, that fake faith crashing down, that God judges it. And the main time you find the judgment of that fake religion is when, and you've got to think biblically now, put on your thinking all the prophecy. How does all this work? Well, it collapses this fake religion. These people are going to bind to some kind of fake religion. Maybe it's going to be a religion of works or whatever it might be. We don't know. Maybe you're going to be able to be saved if you get baptized or, or you get sprinkled, whatever. Because later on it's going to be taking the mark. So, but, but all of a sudden, the Antichrist goes into the temple. By the way, right before he does that, I think he, he kills the two witnesses, remember? Just shake your head like this. There's the two great witnesses. 
that terrorized the world because they preached the gospel and they had miraculous powers. And they couldn't be killed and people would, you know, would try to stone them or shoot them and, and they couldn't be killed. But all of a sudden, the Bible says, and I'll be brief, the, false, I mean, the Antichrist rises out of the abuso and overcomes the two witnesses and kills them. And I think it's right after that he goes and claims to be God. And, and by the way, uh, you ever wondered why there's just two, wit- two great witnesses? I love that because it says in Deuteronomy 19.15, a single witness shall not suffice. Only on the evidence of two witnesses will a charge be established. So one of the things that God is doing is He's obeying His own biblical law. Is that He's going to hold the world guilty and He's sending two witnesses to preach the gospel. Those witnesses are rejected and killed. So the, Antichrist, or the, fault, the beast, the Antichrist, kills the witnesses... He goes into the temple, and who, who now is going to be worshipped? Is there going to be a powerful false religion? No. Who's now going to be worshipped? Him. And so that's why the Bible says at the end of chapter 17, the, the Antichrist and all these nations that follow him kind of consume this fake religion. But in addition to the fake religion, there is a political and material power There's a city that represents all of the world. And that's where you come when you come to Revelation chapter 18. It's describing the fall of this city, I guess. Whether it's Rome, whether it's the real city of Babylon. Some people think it's New York City, London. There's some representative city. And obviously the Antichrist is probably using this city to rule from. Maybe that's... And that's why it's... Because it's not the only city that's going to be destroyed. But it's called Babylon the Great. Symbolically going back to the Tower of Babel. But I want you to notice, because we're going to run out of time. Look, look at, I'm in Revelation 18. I'm going to read a couple of verses at the front and then jump to some other verses because I want to show you a couple of things. It says, After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven and having great authority and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out... Uh, with a mighty voice. This isn't Jesus. This is just another mighty angel. And I love it that the earth was made bright by His glory. I love that. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons. A haunt for every unclean spirit. A haunt for every unclean bird. A haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. I could talk about that, but we'll move on. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the, So you have the kings, and then he says, and the merchants of the earth. So this representative city of Babylon that represents the decadence of the world, not only represents the the massive immorality that's in the world, and you can imagine how bad it's going to be because the whole, you know, the restrainer, the church is gone, and 2 Thessalonians says the restrainer's gone. So there'll be literally chaos, spiritual evil chaos in the world. And so it says, so they will drink the wine of the passion of her sexual morality, And the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth 
have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Now, you have to understand now, it's not like uh, all of a sudden there's this one city and all of a sudden there's this one city called Babylon that all of a sudden God judges it by itself. That, that's not what the book of Revelation describes. So, so take your Bible and go with me because Babylon is mentioned. I wrote the verses down. Babylon is mentioned. Go to chapter 14. Because, see, you're, you're in, obviously, you're in the latter. When you get around chapter 7 or 8, you're, it seems like, you, well, we really know after chapter 11, you're in the last half of the tribulation because the two witnesses die. So you know from 11 on, for sure, the judgments that are being rendered are in the latter half of the, three, of the last three and a half years. Remember, the middle of the tribulation is called the abomination of desolation. Daniel said that. Jesus quoted Daniel in Matthew 24. So when the Antichrist in the middle of the tribulation claims to be God, demands to be worshipped, the Bible calls that the abomination of desolation. And it is after that you have probably some of the trumpet judgments and you have all of the bold judgments that happened in the last three and a half years. So all in the world, judgments are taking place. So chapter 14, verse 8 says, um, look at verse 6, it says, Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel. This is one of the angelic proclamations. Every age, first three and a half years, the two witnesses and the 144,000 witnesses preach the gospel. Now, the second half, you have these angelic messengers flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, remember that megaphone? Like I, he said with a megaphone, I like that, fear God and give Him glory because the hour of His judgment has come and worship Him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. That's going to happen something in a minute. Another angel, a second, followed saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. So, in the judgments you see, so Babylon, the city, has been, been judged with the other judgments that are falling during, during the tribulation. Look at chapter 16. Verse 17 says, The seventh angel poured out his bowl, I'm sorry, the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, uh, and, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake such as there had never been since man was on the earth. So great was that earthquake. The great city was split in three parts and the cities of the nations fell. And God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of His wrath. See, it's during, the tri it's during those bold judgments. Not only are those bold judgments affecting the world, by the way, and the bold judgments are worldwide judgments. It's also affecting Babylon. This one city that's representative of the evil world that the Antichrist rules. Do you understand that? So I want you to see that picture. Now, I want to now flip over to chapter 18 real quick. Um, 
Look what he says. Well, I've got three minutes. Jump over to... Um, um, look at verse... Um, hold on, I'm going to get there. Oh, he mentions the sins. Uh, look at verse uh, 9. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her. Talking about, so, so you have the kings. Remember he mentioned the kings in the first Kings and merchants. He's doing it again. The kings of the earth who committed this immorality and lived in luxury, lived in luxury with her, will weep and wail over her, which they see the smoke of her burning over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. Now, probably not an hour in our time pieces, but it was a short period of time that it took for, for Babylon to be destroyed. You with me? Get me a drink of water, I can go 30 minutes more. Look at verse 11. And the merchants. Now folks, did, now I want to explain this and we'll, we'll, we'll close on time. But I understand the heart of man. Being, you know, you can, there can be all kind of chaos going on around you and, and, and still in your mind and heart sexual deviancy and lust and greed because these are just not sins. Immorality it's not just sins of the flesh, but, but just this debauchery in your mind and heart can, can still be present when there's just absolute uh, chaos from these judgments going on in the world. Um, You've got to think there's, if you go back and read all of chapter 16, I mean, the, the bold judgments, all the waters turn to blood or blood-like. And, and then finally, the fresh water's tainted with it. It just... It's it just, there's no food to eat. It's just absolute chaos. It's the last few, I would think, the last few months of the, of the tribulation. So the, but the kings are still living in this perversion. That's what this... But then it says, And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her. Now, why are they mourning? Because guess what's still important to everybody? Material possessions. You know, I've never. I, of course, I'm 61. We've taught. I've taught this two or three times here in 22 years. But I've taught that, and I've never put that in context. That there is absolute hell on earth, and God is pouring out His wrath. Things are being wiped out. And there's these, and it doesn't say everybody in the world, but there still is this desire to sell trinkets and to buy trinkets, to have material possessions. Can you imagine the pilfering and the thievery 
the seeking things that you can't buy, but going instead. That'll be. But look what it says, and we'll close. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her, since no one buy. What are they? Since no one buys their cargo anymore. So this city is representative of this material world, right? And so not only is because not this one representative city isn't buying every one of their trinkets. And there are other ports in the world, right? Just like now on the coast of America, all over the place, there's these shipping containers. Just uh, they look like uh, what do you call those little building blocks? Egos. They look like egos. Legos. Egos. I like too. If you want to go give me one, but um, um, Legos. It's just they're everywhere, and they're full of just stuff. Telling, I had it written down somewhere. You know, it's like, and now this is close. We have five percent of the world's population, but we consume like fifty percent of material goods. So who knows? It could be new. But this isn't the only city with ship. But it's representative of. So during all this chaos, you've had the seal judgments, you've had the trumpet judgments. There, there's earthquakes, hailstones. Demons, demons come out of the abyss and have a lifespan of, I think, 90 days, just like a regular locust would in torment. But people still want material possessions. So they weep. No one's going to buy our cargo anymore. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearl, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood. And all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses, and chariots. That would be cars today. And slaves. That is human souls. And it says, the fruit of which your soul longed has gone from you and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you never to be found again. It says, And the merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment weeping and mourning aloud. This, this is how, what they're going to be weeping and saying. Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels, and with pearls. For in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid to waste. Folks, you can't carry one thing with you, right? But the Bible says... By investing in the kingdom and through obedience, I can send it on ahead. I can live for Jesus and store up wealth in heaven now. This is a picture of man's desire for material possessions even in the end of days. So, verse 21 says, Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone, and he threw it into the sea, saying, so will Babylon, the great city, 
Remember, it's already said there's been this great earthquake and every island is going to be moved. So, 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 so will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more? Now, we'll stop there. I've never seen this. I may be wrong, but I'm going to make an application. Whatever representative city represents the materialism, that's going to be healthy during the tribulation. Just one part of the wickedness and worldliness, whatever term you want to use, of the tribulation. There's a witness here that says that that city, whether it's New York, Rome, or Babylon, is going to be rebuilt. I don't know. But that city will exist no more, right? God did that one other time. Sodom and Gomorrah. And it said in in the same judgments, I mean, it was so interesting. And the Bible says in the New Testament that Sodom and Gomorrah is a witness of this very judgment. Here's what I thought, and I'll stop here. You know what's going to happen after this? The millennial kingdom. So you know what city won't be here for a thousand years? Whatever this city is. And you know how I know that? Because Sodom and Gomorrah was also destroyed and has been a witness for 1,500 years. Amen? Jesus is coming. Amen? Let's stand together for prayer. You know, all throughout the book of, well, in First, uh, First Timothy, you know, Paul keeps arguing in the last days, in the last days. Folks, I, I believe we're there. Do you see? Do you see? I can almost see. I can almost hear him. I can almost hear the trumpet sound. He's coming. Let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you for your word. Oh, Lord, thank you for salvation. God, thank you for the work of the church. Lord, thank you for the new birth. Thank you for spiritual gifts. Father, thank you for the uniqueness of a church, the body of Christ. Father, help us as we see the soon return of our Lord and Savior. Help us to be faithful stewards now and until we see Him face to face. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a great afternoon. See you Wednesday night.